Uncertainty, sadness, weariness, old stories, old habits, old conversations, old ways. Are you ready for something new? A new year. New possibilities. New opportunities. God's invitation to something new. Make it awesome. Make it awesome. Well, the object of the subject, Make It Awesome, today is home life. And uh, where we're trying to make uh, whatever life at home means for you awesome. And uh, before you check out, maybe taking, uh, if you know who my life situation is, I'm you know, married with young kids in the home, you might say, oh, well, he's going to talk about that. Uh, and maybe that situation doesn't apply to you. And so before you climb all aboard the, uh, the mental express vacation out of here, uh, like mentally at least, um, I, I, we do recognize a challenge for talking about home life in one setting is that there are multiple iterations of what that looks like for each of us in the room, in the East Auditorium, as well as those of you worshiping at home. And so uh, maybe for you, you're like me and you are. You're like married with like young children at the house. Maybe uh, you're in a stage of life where you're married, but you have adult children. Uh, or maybe you're married with no children, or you're single with no children, or maybe you're divorced and now single with children or maybe without children, or you're single as a widow or a widower with or without children, uh, or maybe remarried uh, with or without children. Uh, and then maybe, you know, technically you're, maybe you could say single on official documentation, uh, but you're uh, maybe in a relationship that might be looking towards marriage, uh, possibly in the days ahead. Or my personal favorite, when it comes to those of you who are in the uh, single stage of life, maybe favorite as in like not favorite thing to hear, uh, and you can probably relate to this if you're single, if you've ever heard this, uh, are you uh, single for a reason or single for a season? And so all these things, uh, we recognize that even with those mentioned, there's still multiple directions that we could branch off into, uh, but in an effort to really try to understand where at least all of us are at, at least in, uh, we want to say two general categories, each of us in the room here today uh, fall into at least uh, single technically, or married, single or married. And uh, even with the addressing of each of those, you might currently be in that stage or one stage or another, but we want to do our best, uh, I guess you could say, really address God's word either way, whatever stage of life you're in, knowing that that stage of life could actually change. That today, if you're married, you know, at the very least, uh, it is likely that one of you will outlive the other. Uh, or if you're single, maybe you have the hopes of being married one day or not. And so we'll uh, step into this together. And really the most important part as we talk about home life in this context of the church is to be reminded that in our individualistic society, how easy it is to forget that this is a family. Like 
knowing and understanding how others in our congregation are, what they're experiencing, the challenges that are unique to their home life is always good. It's always good for us to gain mutual understanding and unity in all our stages of life. So we'll venture on this together uh, and hopefully have some encouragement, whether married or single here throughout our, our passage here today. So real quick, just a little bit about, you could say, my stage of life. Uh, I am married, and um, I remember uh, when I first met my now wife, uh, Jessica Talty, as uh, her name now, uh, was her, her name, maiden name was Jessica Williford, and she was a high school senior. I was a college freshman, and she was on a campus visit, uh, being a prospect of the school that I was at, Milligan College, not Milliken, but Milligan uh, in Northeast Tennessee. And I remember when I actually met her, she was, uh, we met through uh, mutual friends, and it was just kind of like a hyper moment. And I was like, oh, hey, good to meet you. And I like grab her hand and we're like shaking hands. And then I, I'm like acting like she won't let go of my hand. Like with all these, I'm like, okay, this is, yeah, it's good to meet you. This is, this is getting strange. When really it was me holding onto her hand because I'm thinking I'm hilarious. And I'm sure that's exactly what she was thinking too. Um, creepy guy, won't let go of her hand. Great start. Um, and so we ended up um, hanging out throughout the weekend along with our mutual friends. And uh, so, I mean, she's 18, I'm 19. So 19-year-old kid here. And I remember the Monday after the weekend, I wrote about the experience in my prayer journal, which I was able to go back and find here for you today. And so um, after, I'm sure, what were lots of serious thoughts and deep prayers about serious stuff, uh, I went on to say, anyway, I met the most amazing girl this past weekend at least from what I can tell. She was incredibly beautiful, but I knew I had to look beyond that, and I did, barely. She seemed, she seemed like a really cool person. 19-year-old, okay, just give me a break. Really cool person, uh, has an awesome sense of humor, top priority for me, but she also seemed like she had a deeper side as well. And so one of our mutual friends throughout the weekend uh, had, had mentioned to me, said, hey, I could see if Jessica ends up coming here that you guys, you know, you could maybe be a good fit. Uh, to which I wrote in response to that, I like that idea. I could picture myself dating Jessica Williford next year. God willing. <laughs> and so deciding that I believe very much in the power of God's will. Um, the following year, uh, I was a sophomore, and uh, I was a, what was called a Milligan mentor, where I had the responsibility of overseeing 10 freshman students, of which Jessica did happen to be a freshman, and lo and behold, was part of my group. And as she uh, came on to the campus, um, I was, as part of another responsibility as a Milligan mentor, is you get the, uh, the, um, the privilege of helping haul freshmen's mini fridges, Mountain Dews, and lava lamps up these flights of stairs to their dorm rooms. And as I was making my way on one of these trips, this white Toyota Celica pulls into the parking lot. And it was like, like circa 1992 with those pop-up lights, if you remember that, that uh, particular model. And, um, and she steps out of the car, uh, Jessica Williford, her literal first moment, her first step into her college career. And at that moment, she lays eyes on me. I'm the first person she saw when she came on campus, and I could tell right that I knew exactly what she was thinking. She was thinking, he's the one. He's the one that they've got here to help me haul my stuff up into the dorm, so if he could just, yeah. So anyway, we, we end up uh, getting to know each other, hanging out. We, uh, we managed to stay in the friend zone for a good bit of time, uh, but still being a strong believer in the power of God's will amidst an army of suitors, I ended up receiving 
the final rose at the most dramatic rose ceremony ever. And uh, really, with all my joking about this, the drama and the disparity between Jessica and me was real. Jessica in high school was like, the homecoming queen, voted best looking. You know, for me, my senior superlative was voted most acne. Uh, and so <laughs> the fact that Jessica picks me, I'm happy. You know, I'm happy about this decision. I'm like, hey, let's, let's not mess, let's keep this thing going. You know, fast forward, let's up the ante. Let's, uh, let's get engaged. Let's get married. Let's do this like happy, happily ever after thing. Okay, let's, that, this is how it goes, right? This is what we're going to do. Happily ever after. Um, but is that? really how it works. I mean, if, you've, if you're single maybe and you're asking happily ever after, maybe you've been married for like a few minutes and you're wondering, is it really happily ever after? Is that, is that how it goes? I'll say this for us that, well, you know, our story did move from dating to boyfriend and girlfriend to, you know, Brian and Jessica sitting in a tree, K-S-S-I-N-G, first came love, then came marriage, then came the baby and the baby carriage, all that stuff. Like throughout that song's time frame, we discovered I would say just how difficult this happily ever after business really can be. And even in particular times and seasons, not only did we just, you could say, not just be not happy, but succeeded in making one another, I think, very unhappy. And I remember in the midst of one of these um, kind of unhappy moments uh, in the midst of our engagement phase of our, our relationship. In a, in a heated moment of unhappiness, I had succeeded so much in this that I had uh, helped in allowing Jessica to take her right hand, um, cover her left ring finger, remove the engagement ring that I had put on it uh, not that long ago, uh, take that engagement ring up to, uh, you know, about her right here and release that thing with dart-like precision into the center of my chest. Um, and so that's one of our more fun stories. And here we are, 17 years of marriage, 20 years of just life together, uh, still figuring it out. Uh, still figuring it out with all kinds of iterations of happy and unhappy and struggles and joyous moments and all of it mixed in together. And I would say this, the reason I feel comfortable sharing that is because I've had enough friendships and relationships with other married couples that I know like, I'm not, not only not alone, but if your story is different than that, then you're alone. Uh, like we all face this stuff that in couples' lives there are challenges and struggles. But one of the things I want to really tackle in this, in, in, I guess, in our conversation here today, as we hold up marriage and singleness as in light of God's word, is, you know, I, I guess you could say like when it comes to the methods of marriage, like we all know we get that wrong sometimes, like, you know, when it comes to loving one another, you know, how well we do with the mechanics of actually loving one another, respecting one another, serving one another, all that stuff, like we all know we struggle with that. But I would say where the heart or the root of where I would contend and God's word would contend that we're getting it wrong is not just in like the how-to, but actually at the root, at the why behind marriage. You ever thought about that? Like, why marriage? Like, what is marriage for? What is the purpose? What is the meaning of marriage? And um, to help 
me help us answer this, I came across a, um, a book that's a couple years old now that uh, really helped me articulate this from uh, the story of Adam and Eve. It's a book called Loveology by Pastor John Mark Comer. And it really points to the roots of the meaning of marriage in the original marriage at creation in the very first marriage of Adam and Eve. And so it says it this way in that story, Genesis 2, 24. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and free rent and free laundry and his part-time job and his video game system, in, th in theory, and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And so this, you could say, in the beginning picture of marriage is, uh, it's not just descriptive, it's actually prescriptive and that we see actually Jesus uses the original story of Adam and Eve and their relationship to teach what marriage is later in the scriptures. And then really we can see right in the context itself that implicit within it is this understanding of what is going on beyond just a story about the first marriage. It says it this way, it says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother. Okay, well that's strange because Adam didn't even have a mom or a dad, so what's going on here? And then it says, and is united to his wife. Well, Eve didn't really have a whole lot of other options. And so what we see here is that the mechanics, the methods, uh, you know, just a mere story of the first marriage is not all that's going on here. But that in this creation story, we see the creation and the design that God has for what marriage is supposed to be. You could say the why or as other translations have gone on to say, for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother. And so what is that why? What is this, you know, what reason? For what reason? And so as we look through the book of Genesis, we see, you could say, four reasons why. That the story of Adam and Eve that God is teaching us about why marriage. What is this for? Okay? And so the first reason that we see in the Adam and Eve story is, you could say, Friendship. That friendship is the first why behind marriage. It says this in Genesis 2.18. says, the Lord God said, it is not good, it is not good for man to be alone. And so if you're familiar at all with the creation story, you know, God creates, you know, everything. He creates, you know, land and sea and vegetation, sun, moon, sky, you know, there's fish, there's birds, there's, you know, animals walking around. And to all of it, there's this like refrain throughout this like poetic uh, line that just says, God saw it and it was good. It was good. It was good. And then he makes Adam and he says, essentially, whoops, <laughs> whoops, it is not good for man to be alone. And so this conclusion from God that is not good for man to be alone actually is rooted in the very nature and character of who God is as creator. Last week, if you're with us, uh, Pastor Wayne reminded us or maybe taught us for the very first time in some cases that we are the imago Dei. Uh, it's a Latin phrase. So we are the image of God. We are created in the image of God. We are created in the image of our creator. And who is our creator? God. It says this in Genesis 1.26. That when it comes to creation and creating us, creating mankind, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now notice that the pronouns there, they're not singular, but they're plural. It's us our image, our likeness. And so as you read, it's like, okay, time out. Who is God talking about here? Like who else is God including in this image bearing creation story? Well, 
we now later understand, uh, to borrow from church history, uh, the reality of God, as it says, in three persons, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, which we know as Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And that God, in his very nature, is actually the exemplary, perfect uh, reality of really kind of being in relationship with his very self. It's a mystery how it all works, uh, but that is the example of which he then, out of who he is as a relational being, then creates us. Not good to be alone, but to be in relationship, of which, arguably, marriage is the most intimate context for a relationship. And so with that, obviously, if you're single, that looks different, but it is still no less true that you are created for relationship and community as we are created in the image of a God who is in perfect relationship. Um, and, and you know, sometimes I encounter those, not just single, married too, who um, probably not here today because, uh, but it might be a warning if you've ever feel like you might feel like you need to step away from a church or something like that for whatever reason, and, and that's okay. Um, that I've, I've heard this for people who uh, you might say have given up on the church um, and there's reasons for that, I know, um, uh, that we all probably have, if, even if we're in it still, um, because it's, we're life and human and imperfect and all that stuff. But there are people who have walked away from the church and say, I, I, I've given up on church, but I, but I haven't given up on God. And then they'll kind of give this comfort statement to themselves and to others, like, hey, all I need is God. All I need is God, which sounds nice, all you need is God. But if what you mean by that is the exclusion of community, well then that's not biblical. I mean, think about it, if that was true, wouldn't the Adam story have ended quite differently? You think about like before the fall, you know, Adam is, it says he's walking in the garden every evening with the creator of the universe. You want to talk about just me and God, I mean, Adam lived it, but apparently this idea that Adam and God was just, was all he needed, well, apparently God didn't seem to think that that was the case because he created us to be in community with one another as we reflect his relationship in and of himself. In our image, in our likeness, we are created. And so what that looks like for us here in the church is that God is our father, God the father overall, and then you have Jesus the son which, uh, who came to earth and, and lived this out. And so you could, Jesus is almost like our, like our big brother, good example of what it actually looks like uh, to live the way that God wants us to live. And then how do we do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. It's not our own strength that's making this happen. So God is at work all the time within what we are doing, whether single or married. Uh, we are growing together. We are serving together to be devoted followers of this Jesus who came to show us this way. And so that's true, obviously, for all of us, married or single alike. But back to the marriage side of the equation. If you are married, well, then when it comes to friendship, marriage is to be your number one friendship, your number one relationship. The book of Proverbs talks about a man's wife. Uh, the Hebrew word for it is a loop. Uh, it, it can be translated closest friend or closest companion. Uh, it's really, it's this number one person that you are, you could say, walking through life with. It's your closest companion, uh, which means you have to prioritize that. It's not just a, you know, it's just not like something that automatically is. It's something you have to pursue. You have to pursue friendship together that you could say, even though you're past the dating stage, you don't move past dating one another. That in marriage, you want to still be hanging out, going out, having fun, laughing, listening. 
that even though you're in the marriage category, you don't want to stop. You always want to keep dating your spouse. And so we see that. We see that in Adam and Eve that we see that marriage is for friendship. Second thing we see in the creation story of Adam and Eve is that we see that marriage is for gardening. Now, not in the literal sense or else I'm toast, uh, but gardening in this sense, Genesis 2.15. It says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. You see, back in chapter one, God creates man in his image. It says the purpose to rule or be responsible for what God had created. And then, you know, so God's got, you know, Adam's got this responsibility from God. Then chapter two, he's doing it by himself. And God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. And so it goes on. I will make a helper or a helpmate suitable for him. Now, that word helper or helpmate, that, that kind of risks at first listen, like almost like, mm, that, that almost sounds like a little less than. But the original Hebrew word there is azer, and it can be translated partner. Uh, it's a word that's used to describe military reinforcements where without them, the army would have been crushed. It's also the word uh, in the Psalms that describes God himself, that God, that Yahweh is my helper. And I think we all would agree that God as a helper is anything less than, less than. And so this is, not a, this is not in any way a negative or less than statement, but instead, as we understand the creation story, it says that Eve was created from the side of Adam. From the side of Adam, this kind of idea that we are together in marriage, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, to whatever your, to do whatever your, verse 15, garden is, to work the garden and take care of the garden. In fact, that's, that's some language we actually use here on staff when we're clarifying someone's role on the team. We'll say, what's their garden to till? What's their unique garden? What's their, you could say, their area of responsibility, their purpose on the team? What is their, their gifting? What is, you, we even go as far as to say, what is the calling? What is your calling that is your own that God has for you here on the planet in whatever context you're in? And so if you're a married person, then God is calling you to garden together, to utilize, to steward the unique gifts and opportunities to, you could say, till the garden that he has placed uh, before you as a couple, or maybe if you have individual gardens that you're supporting one another in that, what does that look like to garden together? Um, and, and this is important that you know, obviously if you're married, but if you're single, this is really important when it comes to this idea of gardening, that as you look toward marriage, or if you are married, that if if you understand that marriage is your garden, like if that's your only garden, like if you understand that marriage is like an end in of itself, like that the whole point of your marriage relationship is the marriage relationship, well then be careful because that will not be able to sustain that relationship. That, that if you could say that if the goal of your marriage is simply the goal of itself, that eventually it will self-destruct. It will collapse in on itself. Um, I mean, let's, you can only sit and stare into one another's eyes for so long. 
Okay, I mean, and I'm not saying that's bad, but it's out of that connection that God has something for you. I love what Pastor BJ calls it. He calls it, we want to be an outward facing family that take what God has given us and see how we want to be, as he said, salt and light to a world that so desperately needs it. And so what does that look like for you? Because if the goal is only your marriage and to, you know, you might want to say, you know, that happiness ever after that you exist, our marriage exists, that my expectation of my spouse is to be my conduit for my happiness, Spoiler alert, your spouse is going to fail because they were not designed to, as Hollywood line says it, you complete me. No, he doesn't. No, she doesn't. That's God's business. No one or no thing outside of God completes you. Now, now, I'm not saying that happiness in marriage isn't something to be uh, pursued, so to speak. But if happiness is the goal of your marriage, like, like that's, your, that's your bullseye, well then it's going to let you down. It's like, it's like kind of this um, A equals B, but B doesn't equal A. And that healthy marriages tend to be happier marriages, but a marriage that understands that you exist to make me happy uh, does not produce happiness. It produces frustration and in the end, uh, maybe not a marriage that lasts at all. I mean, really, when you think about this, this is our cultural understanding of why marriage exists. Uh, even, you know, I'm not saying this is all counselors, but I have plenty of couples I've met with that I've met with a, a counselor who's not a, doesn't have this worldview of what the scriptures say about what marriage is, and they understand that the goal of marriage is that person to make you happy. If they don't make you happy, then you're done. You're, we bail. Uh, and, and with that mindset, it really isn't a mystery as to why, at best, Success versus not success, marriage ending in divorce, 50%, a pretty wide known understanding um, stat, that success in marriage, is a, it's a coin toss. It's heads or tails. And it's because Genesis 2.24, we've gotten the why. We've gotten the, for this reason, wrong. We've gotten the wrong, why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And so recognize, yes, God wants you to be united and close and in love and all that good stuff and, and, and fan that friendship into uh, a strong relationship. But then, how are you turning that outward? How are you being salt and light and the flavor of God to wherever he has called your marriage? What garden is he calling you to till? And you might say, that, that sounds really like important. Um, how do I do that? So, I would direct you to a resource. Uh, it's a book. Uh, we also have the, uh, like a video Bible study. Um, Firstdecator.org, what's happening. There's all kinds of resources. But the book is You and Me Forever, Marriage in Light of Eternity by Francis and Lisa Chan. And it's just all about discovering together what's your, what's your unique garden to till in life and pursuing that together. So I'd recommend that as maybe a next step as you think about um, your garden to till. Okay? All right, so we've got friendship. We've got gardening. And then third, marriage is God's design for sexuality. Now, in my opinion, there is nothing that has seemed to have fallen farther in the fall than our ethic of sexuality in our culture, in our world. And there's infinite ways we could go with that, um, but I'm just gonna do what Jesus did. Rather than try to take on any particular issue out there, he says, uh, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Let's, let's, let's start with why? Let's start with the design of what it's supposed to be. And we see it here in the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, verse 24, chapter 2. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And it says they become one 
flesh. Now, I had this interesting aha as I read this again uh, this past week, and this idea, I had not seen it before, that as Eve was created from the flesh of Adam, that out of that story then, kind of read between the lines here, in sexuality expressed between one man and one woman in the context of marriage, verse 24, it says that they become one flesh. You know, this is God's design. It's like, I seriously doubt that God looked down from heaven, saw Adam and Eve messing around in the garden and thought, what the, that's not what those are for. You know, it's like, I mean, this is not, this is not what's happening. God created it all. He created sex and he created it to be in the commitment and the covenant of marriage. Verse 25, it says, in that expression that Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. That's the goal of healthy sexuality before the fall, but it should still be our pursuit and our prayer after the fall, whether married or single. Just as we pray, you know, Father, your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven in the, in the Lord's prayer that in this area, whether single or married, we want to be pursuing God's best, his ethic for sexuality Obviously a bigger topic, uh, but that is our pursuit. That is our goal. That is our understanding as God designed it, okay? All right, so the reason that a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, yes, they are friends, of course, partners to discover what God has to guard for them, uh, but then from there, they were sexually intimate as one flesh, as the good and right expression of their marriage. And then fourth, we see that marriage is for making families. Marriage is for the making of families. And just as a side, I know that that is not every couple's experience. And um, as a church, that's, you know, that's why we've we've walked through those seasons uh, together. But as um, you could say, as designed from creation, Genesis 128, it says that God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. What's interesting about that is that this is actually the first commandment in the Bible. Uh, It's not a thou shalt not. It's actually a a thou shalt. Thou shall be fruitful and multiply and make babies and start families. And it's, it's, it's out of the gate of creation itself that we see the design for really the building block of society, that the family is the building block or the build out of really the the human race. Uh, Later, about 10 chapters, uh, Genesis 12, a guy by the name of Abraham, God would come to him and said, I'm gonna bless you so that you will be a blessing to families and people groups and nations around the world. Fast forward, Jesus makes that happen and reconciling us to God the Father, no matter what our story or background. And then from there, he sets up his church. His church, which again, just a reminder, God the Father, Jesus is our big brother example, Holy Spirit at work within us, brothers and sisters working this out. And then this like multi-generational, like almost parenting in the faith thing. Um, Paul talks about Timothy as a son in the faith. Paul talks about being a father in the faith to different settings, uh, that we want to be that. We want to have fathers and mothers and mentors, you could say, in the faith. That that's the design of God had for this life together. And so it all starts, it all starts in marriage as the foundation of family and family as the foundation of society. And so that's 
the why and the meaning we find behind marriage in the very first marriage that God lays out for us. Um, and I'm gonna fast forward just with a, with a bonus fifth one, I'll call it. Um, for those of you who are married and singles, I'm gonna, we're gonna talk to you here just a sec about this, but uh, because it's my personal experience, uh, I can only speak to mine on that. Uh, I have discovered that for me, when it comes to like why I'm on the planet to follow Jesus, that for me, marriage has been the perfect environment, the perfect environment to grow imperfect me into Christ-likeness. That I have found that marriage is the perfect environment to grow, in, because it's imperfect uh, as well, to grow imperfect me into Christ-likeness. And that's, that's, again, obviously out of the rainbows and the butterfly moments, that's out of the, the tough stuff. Like, the difficult days and, you know, the really difficult days and like even like maybe more so like just like the low grade fever kind of difficult days, like that annoying, just we're living under the same roof, difficult, all this stuff. It just reveals to me more than any other space in my life, what I need to be confessing, what I need to be repenting of, where I need to grow in, where I need to trust in God for more. There's this like feedback loop that marriage is this reflection, this vulnerability, that marriage, that you're, you're, you're naked together in all the figurative ways that reveals, for me, my self-centeredness, which plays out obviously in all kinds of selfish stuff, uh, my pride, which as you know, that's just insecurity, um, where unhealthy anger shows up that doesn't just impact me, it impacts my wife and my kids and just all the stuff that's just like super fun to talk to you about uh, in a large group setting. Um, but I say that because if you are committed to following the way of Jesus and you are a married person, then there's another book, it's on the resource deal, um, Gary Thomas, Sacred Marriage. The byline is, what if, something of this effect, what if God didn't create marriage to make you happy, but to make you holy? Or in other words, there's this context that has this opportunity to shift your eyes from make me happily ever after and discover more of holiness, of, right, of, of, of what interpersonal life together under one roof can do to refine um, fruit of the spirit within your life as you pursue him in the midst of it. And so that's the opportunity more than any other for me in marriage. I actually thought maybe we could add an addendum to like the church's mission statement. I don't know if we can do that. Like, you know, developing devoted followers of Jesus Christ by getting married and living under one roof together, I think would work. Um, but we wouldn't obviously do that um, for a number of reasons. But uh, one being because of our single brothers and sisters who that wouldn't necessarily apply, which kind of, okay, common sense here a little bit. If the goal is to become more like Jesus, well, if marriage is necessary for that end, Jesus is out of luck. <laughs> Jesus was a single man, right? And you have the Apostle Paul who wrote like half the New Testament with letters to churches uh, saying, hey, I'm single. Uh, they actually believe he was a widower perhaps. Um, and he says to others, he's like, I wish everyone could be like me because I think it's actually better to be single than to be married, he says in 1 Corinthians 7. So why would Paul say that? Why would he actually say I prefer everyone to be as I am and be single? You know, is it so that the Apostle Paul can, you know, just kind of batch it up the rest of his life, you know, maybe, you know, work a part-time job, maybe play guitar in a band that's going nowhere, think today I'm going to play 27 holes of golf, maybe travel a little bit tomorrow, just kind of more or less chillax the rest of my life. 
Well, if you've ever read the story of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, that is not his biography. Um, and I appreciate the way that uh, Pastor John Mark Comer, uh, in the book that I referenced earlier, uh, really reiterates the Apostle Paul's, uh, what it's called, he calls it a, the gift of singleness. Some, someone says it's the gift I don't want uh, at times, but he calls it the gift of singleness, and this is how he paints it. He says, for followers of Jesus, the point of singleness isn't freedom from responsibility. It's actually freedom for responsibility, for more responsibility. See, to Paul, the point of singleness is to serve God in ways you otherwise couldn't if married. And so it's a different perspective. And before this comes off in any way of like a wagging finger at those of you who are single, um, you know, it was super encouraging this past week to actually just talking to several of my single friends about what's life like in the church and so and just so, so, so encouraged by the way in which so many of you are already doing this, are uh, taking this stage of life, uh, this season of life or this way of life and using it to the glory of God in, in ways that you otherwise, if, as Paul says, you know, having to, you know, you know, worry about a spouse or kids or whatever that case may be. And so... Um, I'm really encouraged to see that so much in the life of our church. Uh, but if that's not your case, if you've kind of maybe just, you know, whether you're single for a season or single for a reason, uh, if you've kind of seen this singleness as just an opportunity from responsibility, I wonder, I would ask you, how, how's that going? Like, is that life-giving? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm in that stage. But I would encourage you to take Paul up at his challenge, to see it as a freedom for responsibility, for the purposes of God, for, as we said earlier, what unique garden God has for you to till in your stage of life. And so for all of us here in the West Auditorium, those of you in the East Auditorium and online, um, this has been a message that's been really focused on the why, like the baseline, because when you stop and think about anything, any what that we do is based on a why. Like, okay, I'm gonna go do X because I believe Y. And so we've looked at that, um, but really the, the next step is up to you. James in the Bible says, don't just be mere hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So as you discern your next step, I would really encourage you to go, I know it sounds like a really lame ending, but go to firstdecaturorg slash what's happening. There's a button there for all kinds of resources uh, for marriage, there's some stuff on singleness there, there's some Bible studies, there's some books. Um, there's also, again, uh, it was that we had a conversation with an elder. I did one in the hall the other day. We each uh, lead these men's discipleship groups, respectively. And uh, part of the commitment to these groups is you read a book a month uh, about what it means to be, you know, a godly man and all this. And um, I'd heard a quote and I shared with him. I was like, yeah, this idea, like, you know, sometimes people are only just one good book away from a major breakthrough. And, and he said, yeah, I think that's true. But I also believe that, you know, a lot of times people are just really, you know, one good relationship away from a major breakthrough, like, you know, like a, a small group or something, um, to which I said, we should thumb wrestle over it. Uh, no, I didn't do that. Uh, I said, no, it's both right. And so if you go to that resources, there's obviously some books that might be the breakthrough you need, some Bible studies, some video stuff, uh, but there's also an opportunity uh, for maybe that key relationship that's the next break breakthrough for you. Maybe uh, we have a ministry here, marriage mentoring, that uh, you're gonna hear about more here in just a moment uh, that, that can really help your marriage relationship uh, reflect what God's design is for it, not just for you, but for all that he has to do through you all. Uh, and our Grow Together groups, whether married or single, we're in this together. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that doesn't happen sitting shoulder to shoulder in a room. Uh, or even uh, maybe sitting around tables in the East or, or at home. We, we've got to get involved in being brothers and sisters in each other's lives. And so whatever that next step is for you, why don't I just pray that God would just lead you in that and that from there, you would do it. Uh, so let's, let's pray about that here together.
Father, even as we pray about next steps, um, we start with thankfulness that you've provided for us in this mystery of who you are. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We don't know, we don't have a clue how all that works uh, this side of heaven, but we know that it does. We know that you're perfect and that you've created us in your image. And so we wanna pursue that perfect relationship uh, as much as it is possible with us by the power of the Holy Spirit in the context of our marriage, in the context of the church. And so Father, we thank you for the way in which you are leading us And now may we go and be doers as we go and follow as you lead us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you uh, here in this room to stand with me and in the East Auditorium stand as well. Uh, Maybe at home, just maybe you can sit up a little straighter. I don't know if you're going to stand at this point in the deal. But uh, to... So... I don't want you to think that just my stories are like... You know, it's so easy to tell a story from 20 years ago uh, when my wife and I had problems or challenges or struggles and rings are being thrown and all this stuff. Um, but don't kid yourself. Like this is, this is still real time. Um, for us, I would say the most challenging season that we have faced in our 17 years of marriage uh, was just a couple years ago, 2018, kind of going into 2019. And I remember just being, I remember I went on this long walk and just walked and walked and walked. And I was, I was angry. I was confused. I I actually didn't have a whole lot of hope for the situation that we found ourselves in. Um, and so I grabbed my phone and I'm just like, I need like something better than what was going, you know, inside my own head. And just kind of was looking like top Christian songs. And this worship song came on that just like, I mean, I was weeping. It just like, it nailed me. It was the truth that I needed to be tethered to in this, whatever that was. Um, and it was like my anthem. It like was this, my, I played it over and over and over again because uh, as you're gonna see here, um, it is the reminder of God's faithfulness in the past that we just hang on to maybe by our fingernails for what he wants to do in the future. Um, and so I didn't even know that, I didn't even make the connection. We were like two, a minute into the song before it dawned on me that this was a song from that story um, that I, is my prayer that wherever you're at, uh, maybe things are good. And so maybe bank this one because I've always heard you're either in a storm about to be in a storm or just coming out of one. So it's, it's, it's life. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but I've overcome the world. And so maybe that's something you need to bank for the future or maybe you are right now. In your singleness, in your married, in your in-betweenness, in your, I don't even know what I'm at right now. It's such a mess. Let the truth of these words be proclaimed by your voice as your trust and your prayer in God as we sing it together. And so when we sing truth into our lives as we worship him. Let's sing together. Still stands 